Hello, you're listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast. Whether you're at work, driving in your car, or getting your workout on, we hope and pray that what you hear today will fill your spirit. Come, join us as we walk through God's Word together. The best way to combat false teaching is to understand the truth of Jesus Christ. See, you don't combat false teaching. You don't combat false teaching primarily by just arguing your points. Really, it's about getting to the point. And the point is Jesus. Many a times, as a matter of fact, they don't come back anymore to our door, not because I've been combative or I've argued or I've, I've, I've talked over them, but many times when I have um, cults, and other people that will come wanting to win us over to them, a la Mormons, we've had them at the door, or Jehovah's Witnesses at the door, or others that may come to the door, I cut to the chase, and it usually gets to the heart of where we are and where we are not. And I ask one question, I say, hold on, I know you want to go through your whole spiel, I know you do. But can I ask you a question first? And we usually don't get beyond there and it's over. I said, can you tell me who is Jesus to you? That's all I want to know. Who is Jesus Christ to you? Who is he? Do you realize who he is? And then as we have that conversation and we, and we, and we move forward, we really don't move forward. It ends there because who he is to them is not who the scripture says that he is. Who he is to them is not who he is to me. And thus you're wasting your time in your argument. And so this morning for us, if we don't land that plane of who he is, if we don't, we're just going to be endlessly sailing and flying along, thinking we're in something that we're not, thinking we have something that we may not. And then you'll run the risk of of looking at verses 3 through 14 and trying to figure out how on earth am I ever going to get here. And the problem is, it's not about you. It's about him. I want to read these scriptures together. Normally I don't, but I want to read them because they're powerful in their hearing. And then we'll jump in. So if I can ask you to stand, I'm going to be reading verses 15 through 23 of Colossians chapter 1. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. You can follow along. Emphasis is mine. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. 
and he is before, I'm sorry, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil things, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Father, we thank you for your word that clarifies who Jesus is. Father, I pray that this morning we would grasp it, understand it, accept it, and then live from it. I pray you would open our eyes, our understanding, that we would know clearly what you are saying. So, Father, we thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done in Christ. Thank you for what you want to do in us as we allow you. Father, help us to see clearly this morning. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. As I said, Christianity is foremost, first and foremost about Jesus and not you. I need to say that because today in our world, especially even as we proclaim Christ to other people, we like to start off with what Christ can do for you. We like to start off with, with, with all that comes with being a Christian. And in essence, it's that fish hook evangelism mentality, I like to say. I like to dangle it out there and say, see all that you can get if you come to Jesus? And then we wonder why people are dissatisfied when trouble hits and when trials seem to be at a level that they did not expect. Hold on a second. You told me I was going to get everything when I came to Christ. You didn't explain to me that life would get harder. You didn't explain to me that troubles might come in greater measure. You didn't explain to me that the opposition that I would have sometimes would seem insurmountable. And see, because that's the problem with many of, <clears throat> with a lot of how we portray Jesus, because for many of us, it's how we received Jesus, and we haven't received him at all. And what am I saying is that when your Christianity and your life in Christ starts off with you, you've jumped off of the wrong platform. It must start with him, and it must start with an understanding of who he is. See, I'm going to go back in time just a little bit. Job started to falter when he didn't have the proper view and perspective of who God was. 
and what did God do? Do you, do, do, do you remember, and if you don't go back and look at it, when Job started to question God, when Job called God to the carpet and said, I'm right, I've been a righteous guy. And if he had saw the words that God said about him to the enemy, have you noticed my servant Job? He would have said, you even talked about me as righteous. Then why on earth are you allowing this to happen to me as though I've not been living to you? How are you, how are you doing this? I don't understand. You need to give me an answer. And let's not throw Job under the bus because y'all know we do that to the Lord in our little private prayer closets. We call him out. What are you doing? I don't get you. How are you allowing this? What? If I was going to do it, I wouldn't. And I was like, wow, you just took God's place. And see, but what did God do for him? He didn't come up, how dare you, Job? What? Who do you think you are? Now, what did he do? When you read, when God called him out, he said, okay, I'm going to answer you. I love what God did. Stand up like a man and take the answer. I, I, God just told Job to man up. Look, if God ever tells you to man up or woman up, y'all in trouble. Because what you're about to receive is going to be real humbling. But it's actually for our good. What did God do? God gave Job a perspective. What kind of perspective? Of who he was and is. When he starts off with where were you when? What he was doing was giving Job a clearer view of himself because Job had lost sight of that. And the people in Colossians, the reason they were veering off course is because they had taken their eyes off of and have forgotten who Jesus is. And so for you and I this morning, when we are tempted in any way to begin to doubt God, question him, begin to look somewhere else other than in the face of Christ and in the life of Christ and by the power of Christ, if we're ever, ever tempted in that way or we start to veer, know that you have lost sight of who Jesus is. And so this morning, I have to ask you that. Ask yourself this question repeatedly. Do you realize who he is? And to be two things this morning. We're going to be look at we're going to be looking at who he is and the result. And the second thing we're going to look at is who we are as a result of him. We're going to look at who he is and the results of who he is. In other words, what has come about as a result of who Jesus is? And then we're going to look at who we are as a result of who he is. And the we that I'm talking about this morning, us, are those that have trusted in Christ as Savior and, and have trusted the finished work of Christ on the cross, why he came, how he lived, the fact that he died and was risen. 
who we are as a result of that. Now, if you don't find yourself in that category, that can change today. And you can be there. This is not an elite club. This is not just for special people. This is not for folk that dress a certain way, look a certain way, believe um, um, culturally a certain way, politically a certain way. This is if you embrace who Jesus is according to the scriptures, you can be included in the we. And so this morning, that's what we're going to look at. So he says, to start off, I love it, he is. Takes me back to the beginning of Scripture when in Genesis it says, in the beginning God, he didn't give this big descriptor, he just stated it. And here, he's not trying to make you believe, he's giving you facts and you choose whether you want to believe it or not. He And, and so first, let's look at the different he is, because there's four of them. The first one, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Now you have to understand that as well. Number one, when it says he is the image of the invisible God, he is in, 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 in nature, in his nature and his being, he is a perfect representation of God the Father. That's why he could say when Philip asked him, he said, show me the father. And now suffice it, he said, he said I, I'm the you, Philip, you're looking at him. When you see me, you see the father. What? I, you mean however tall he was? You mean God is, I don't know how tall Jesus was. I know in our minds, we like to make him like 6'8", you know, you know, 275 cut, you know, you know. That's how I would have him. He would be all-star defensive end for the Indianapolis Colts. They need that right now. <laughs> I just wonder, though, last week, did, 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 did Elder Wright wear any Titans jerseys? No, okay, so he spared us. Thank you, sir. <laughs> but really, he is the exact representation of how God desired to be revealed in his nature, in how he lived, in his being, in his power, in his temperament. You got an exact representation. As a matter of fact, he says the reason he walked among us as Emmanuel, God with us, is so that we can understand, see, and embrace who God is through the Son. But then he says something interesting for us. He says he is, look at this, the image of the invisible God and firstborn of all creation. It doesn't mean that he was the, he was the first one created. No, and firstborn is position. His position as first among creation. His position as the highest among creation. But we get even more insight. It says that he was actually the agent 
through which creation happened. See, these are for all those people, including the Pharisees that had the issue with him. They were looking at this physical man who appeared to be however old it was. The Pharisees, whenever Jesus said to him, Abraham longed to see my day. And they said, you're not even 50. Like, what? What? How could he have longed to have seen you? And then he turns around and says, before Abraham was, in essence, he says, I am what he is going back to. He says, Abraham, you think I'm after Abraham? Abraham wouldn't be here if it wasn't for me. What he is saying is that he was there and not only involved, it was through him. Let's keep reading. It says, for by him all things were created. If you believe scripture as fact, if you believe scripture as true and without error, understand what he's saying about Christ. See, he didn't just come to be your little savior. You had the creator by him. Guess what? In the Greek, what it means, Elder Wright, right? By him or through him, because of him, his hand was involved. If there was a piece of art that you admire sitting up here, and I said this was done by Curtis McManus, if I said that, you wouldn't have any question what I meant. What? So are you saying that he did this? That's what by means. Through means, doesn't it? Same here. So you're telling me that the, that, that the incarnate or the before you saw him in his flesh, Christ, was the one that creation happened by? Yes. So I want you to understand, this is not Jesus against Buddha, against Muhammad. Again, he's like, what? We're not even in the same category. Those two wouldn't be here if it wasn't for me. By him, all things were created. And then he goes way beyond it on you. Look at what he says. Let me give you just a little bit of a descriptor. He says, you want to say, by him all things? Let me give you some examples. So whether they are thrones, and they understood that back then, whether they are Caesars or, or, or kings or dynasties, it didn't matter. But also now he's speaking spiritually on thrones. And then he says, dominions, rulers, authorities, and he says, any place of authority, anything on this earth, angels, them too. The spirit world, that's included. You just keep going and you know, ask whatever. He says, listen to what he says with it. He says, all things. Last time I checked, what does all mean, y'all? All. All things were created, it says, through him, or he was the agent of it happening, right? 
all of you who are homeowners and had a real estate agent take care of it for you, it was through them. Yeah, I know that it was just, just that process. I know you bought the home. The example doesn't work there, but through them, they were the agent of it happening. The agent of creation was Christ. That's how God set it up. That's how he chose it. The agent, how did it happen? Through him. God chose that. And so you understand the Christ that you serve is not some, as some like you to believe Christ came later. He came later on down the line. He'll say, nah, this one was here before Christ. No, he wasn't. No, this one was here before Christ. Or that, he says, through him, it all started. Get a good picture of the authority of Christ. But here's what it also shows you. It shows you a great picture of the humility of Christ. See, if I'm standing before the all that I created and you treat me that way, your life ended about five seconds ago because I wouldn't tolerate you. Be glad I'm not Christ. See, the issue was, as I get that picture and I see him standing before sinful man and tolerating them and dealing with them and not obliterating them, I go, that is a picture of humility that God wants me to see. So when I get some other people that are on my nerve, that are bothering me, that, my Lord, I can't stand them. Son, you've obviously forgotten what Jesus was like on earth. If you can't take him annoying you, what do you think he had to do? So it says there that he is the image of the invisible God, firstborn of all creation. Verse 17, second one, it says, well, let me finish. Verse 16, through him and for him. You and I, creation was for him. Was for him. Not for you. I know we like to say I was born to, and you fill in the blank. No, you were born for him. Really, you were. And you find your greatest purpose in him. And when you are not in him, you do not fully understand and grasp your purposes here on earth. So when you are living outside of Christ, when you're living apart from Christ, understand if you are, I need to get out of this Christian thing so I can find myself. Good luck. That's like trying to walk in the dark through a labyrinth without knowing the way out. You'll stay in there forever. So then verse 17, it says, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. And I like this. Thus, again, going back to the Abraham example, which is why he could say, Abraham longed to see my day. He was before it all. He says he was before. Now, time-wise, he was before everything. But here's the other thing. So not only was he before it, time and authority, but by him all things still hold together. God, this world is just falling apart. No, it's not. I'm holding it together until I am no longer holding it together. 
then it will fall apart. See, the issue becomes, yes, we see sin rampaging. Yes, we see what looks like people who are against God increasing, and they seem to be able to do it, to, to, to do it without opposition. Understand it's not. It says, by him all things hold together. What God is giving us through Paul is a reason to hold tight on the Christ. He's not relinquished anything yet. And this is just not some theory, something that's up here. This is real. And he says, for you and I understand who he is. And when you understand who he is and you are in him, then you understand who you are. He is before all things. So he is the image of the invisible God and firstborn of creation. He is before all things. Then he says in verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church. Stop there for a moment. He is the head of the body, the church. I am not the head of the church. Oh, I may lead a local fellowship, but the head of the church is Jesus Christ. There's no bishop, no apostle, no prophet, no evangelist. You fill in whatever other blank. They are not the head of God's church. There's no people. There's no, I'm a founding member. I'm a trustee. You, Whatever name you want to put there, he is the head of the body, the church. Because I love that he put that descriptor, the body, because the day you see a two-head body, you got a monster. It's not normal. All the horror movies we watched, two-head and three-head monster, is, it, is, it is there to, to, to gross you out. It is there to let you know this is an abnormal monster. Body has one head. And it's not you and I. Body has one head. And it's not the group with the most money, the most influence, the most juice, whatever you want to say. It, it, he is the head. So you say, man, God's church is falling apart. Really? Now, I'll tell you, pretenders are leaving. Saints may be faltering. True people may be revealed, but his body is not falling apart. Why? Christ is the head. And the head controls the body. I know we like to say, yeah, but I'm the neck that controls the head. No, that don't work with him. Doesn't. He is the head. And I want you to see here. In the beginning, he says he is the one, uh, he is the one who is over all creation, right? But then in this last one, he is also the head of the new creation, which is what we see in this second he is. I'm sorry, in this last he is. And it says he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Understand the loop that they closed. He says, yeah. Creation happened by him and through him and for him. That's the old creation, the creation of man, of humanity. But then he says he is the first. He is the beginning, the firstborn of creation. What? Because the new creation, people now in Christ, saved, 
Christians now came about because of him. So he is the reason there is a creation, humanity, and he is the reason that there are Christians, new creation. And so he says he covers it all. It's in Christ. Once again, you're not serving someone that came along lately. Understand it. Don't let people trip you up. Don't let them sidetrack you. The issue becomes, do you realize who he is? Old and new. And then it says, verse 19, and I love this, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. In other words, him, he was the one who could adequately represent all of who God is to humanity, but also his life, his, even in his humanity, his was a vessel that was fully approved by God. We, um, we, we stayed at a few places over the last week where we had and and um i would say one of those places my wife and i had agreed that we were not pleased at all to dwell we were like ooh, okay this was not the representation they portrayed and as she was writing about it i said yeah this was not a good representation. You did. You are not who you represented yourself to be. Jesus is the one who the fullness of, understand the wording, the fullness of the Godhead, the fullness of, 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 of the Trinity was pleased to dwell, to reside, to be represented, to be seen in and through him. Wow. If it doesn't, wow, you spend some time, it will eventually. The issue is Jesus is all that, everything plus more. You and I who are serving Christ are serving whom the fullness of God was pleased to dwell within. And we go, Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm getting tired of you. I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand you. I asked one person, young lady, actually, and, and, um, for us to shame, we were in Germany and these two young ladies come to our door, ring the door and, <laughs> um, Someone else answered, and then my wife said, um, Curtis, you have some people that are here to see you. <laughs> I was like, what? And then when she said it, I came down, and they were just speaking in German, and you know, I, I said, my German is real basic, and they broke into perfect like American English. I said, oh, okay, you'd rather we speak in English? Oh, y'all aren't going away that easy, huh? Okay. And so we just begin to talk. And I asked the young lady, they were two Jehovah Witnesses young ladies. I asked them, I said, question, who is Jesus to you? And, and uh, oh my gosh, they said, good teacher. They went on great prophet. 
I said, but is he the son of God? Is he equal with God? No, they say he is the son of God, but he's not God. Is he equal to God? Because we had to define terms. Is he equal? Is he equal with God? No. I said, well, why? How could he be a human and be equal to God? Uh, I said, why is that? She said, I just don't understand that. That Oh, so your brain, you can't grasp it. So because you can't grasp it in your brain, it's not so. She said, well, yeah. I said, okay. I said, I'm not all that brilliant, but I, I said, I don't understand nuclear physics. I said, do you? And she said, no, I, I said, I don't either. I, I, I said, but does that mean that the laws of nuclear physics don't exist because I don't understand it? And it's interesting. The person I was talking to just kind of stared at me, but the young lady who was with her just says, hmm, right. Hmm. That makes sense. I said, see, just because you don't understand something doesn't mean it isn't true. It just means you don't understand it. You don't grasp the mental capabilities to understand it. Neither do I. I said, just because you don't understand that Jesus can be fully God and fully man doesn't mean he's not. I said, the fact is he is. And then we talked some more and I told him that I would pray for them. She thanked me that I wasn't combative, and I just thought, wow, y'all must have had it hard. And then they left. Never saw them again. But the issue is this. Some of us are holding back because we don't understand. It just seems like that, that, that just can't be. Come on. You want me to believe that? Yes. Yes. That just can't be. Why? Because I don't understand it. Oh, so you've made yourself the standard for, if I understand it, then it is. No, if you understand it, you've finally been given the understanding. Or if you don't understand it, I accept it. I receive it. We do that in everyday life. The one field that I had the toughest time with, math, geometry, the biggest thing that bothered me and all you mathites was to was those theorems. And 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 tell me about theorems, what did you have to do with theorems? Right, proofs. And there were some though that you just had to accept because they were stated as fact. And in order for you to understand geometry, you had to accept this. And I was like, I don't understand it. My teacher would say, you don't need to. Seriously, she was, you know, you just need to accept it as so. And if you work from accepting this as so, all the rest of this makes sense. Now, it took me, the only class in high school I failed, because I hated it, didn't do the work, and that was the only class, and boy, did I make that mistake, because when I failed, I... I don't know what I was thinking because I thought maybe I wouldn't have to take it. My mother was like, guess who's going to summer school? I was hot, mad as I went to class. Took it and passed at that time. You bet I did. I look, what I didn't understand, I accepted. And I got out of that thing. See, what you don't understand, that's okay. God ain't asking you to always understand it. He's saying, do you trust me? I have enough credit. I have enough. Look, look at what I've done. Look at who I am. Jesus said, just accept it. 
I know you think you're brilliant, but accept it. I'm not duping you. I'm not pulling the wool over your eyes. I'm not bamboozling you. Look at my track record. Look at my history. Look at what I've done. And then he says, trust me, you'll be the better for it. And so then he goes from who he is. And look, and he says he is the agent of, of, of reconciliation. So he was the agent of creation in verse 20. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. He's saying, listen, he is also the agent of reconciliation, of just bringing all things back together. So it all rests on him. But then here's the other part. Then it gets to us. See, I know we like to talk about us as if it starts with us. But look at what is said when it gets to the conversation of us. I love this. When it says he is and we're just sitting there with awe and we are amazed with who he is. Then when it gets to us, look at how we're described. And you. I loved this. I'm sitting there going, God, thank you. He said he is. And I'm looking at it and I'm going, wow, wow, wow. And you who were once alienated, if that wasn't enough, and hostile in mind, and if that wasn't enough, doing evil deeds. He could have gone on. He just gave you the cliff notes. He abbreviated for you. He says, and you. Let me talk about y'all. You know, once, I know that y'all Christians now, but you were once alienated. Have you ever been alienated from the main group? I love the term that they use here, the English word. So the whole, when we think of alienated as someone who's pushed aside, who's not accepted, who doesn't belong, I think of aliens. I mean, this is how my mind works. Alien shows up in the scene and walks in the front door. Now, you're not going, come join my group. No, everyone's leaving. Why do I feel alienated? Because you're an alien. See, the issue was you being alienated, you were not a part, didn't want to be a part, and separated from God. So you were alienated. And not only were you alienated and set to the side, not only were you not a part of him and, didn't, and, and, and were not able to be accepted, you were hostile in mind. And you all think about how you were before you came to Christ. You didn't want anything to do with God. And there's some that may be sitting here that still don't want anything to do with God. He says, in your thinking, you are hostile to God. Now, let's put that and then doing evil deeds, meaning that you practice because of who you were, continually practice deeds that were evil. So can we put these two up on the same screen now? He is, and you just read through all the perfection, powerful person that he is and then you put up there us and you go how on earth how in heaven are these two groups ever brought together yeah you just decided i wanted jesus one day no a person that is hostile in mind is not coming toward god a person that is hostile in mind god is coming toward you and he showed you himself. He demonstrated himself to you and then grabbed you and brought you close until you said yes. 
And so when we want to get that picture of who he is, we need to look at who we were. And then he says, look at what he did. He took all that. He has now, verse 22, we're coming to a close on this. He has now reconciled in his body by his death. Why? Going back to what we heard last week. Why? So that you would be presented as holy and blameless and above reproach. And above reproach meaning that there's nothing evil that can stick, that is said of you that can stick. When you are above reproach, people may say things, but it's not true. People may, you know, you know, he is a he's a dirty liar. I, I might have been, but I'm clean now. But you lied yesterday in Christ. I'm clean because I can still go back to the perfect savior. Oh, I'm sorry. The creator, the savior, the reconciler all in one and come back and be clean. See, he says, because I was once all this, but because he is all this. Now I am all that. We like to start off with I'm all that. I'm like, man, you nothing. You are nothing outside of him. And so what he says to you and I today is, do you realize who he is? I put here in my notes when he says, verse 23, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that, that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I became a minister, I said, you aren't doing God any favors by serving him. We need to stop that. Not doing God any favors. Well, God, I'm in your church and I'm serving you. He's like, only reason you're here is because of me, not because of you. It is a result of his choices and actions, not yours. And lastly, who we were, we were those that were alien, alienated, hostile, and evildoers. Uh, but then as a result of what he, who he is and what he did, we have now been reconciled, presented as holy, blameless, and above reproach. And lastly, in this last line, sometimes I think we miss it. Paul says, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Understand what that line means. Paul was all of those things before. He was alienated. He surely was hostile because he was killing Christians. And he was doing evil deeds on a continual basis. Paul described himself. And he says, because of Christ, he's, he said how all that turned. And then he says a line that doesn't make sense. Of whom now I am a minister. It doesn't make sense for me either. The sinner that I was, the person that I was born as and continued as, and then to be able to say that I'm in his service, that itself is the wonderful full circle act of the work of the person and work of Christ. Paul is saying, I am a minister of this great news because of this great God and Savior that I just told you about. And you and I is the same. I know sometimes we like to think we were not that bad. I was not that bad. I was okay. 
Oh, I've heard some horrible testimonies, you know, and man, some grand ones. I used to think, and 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 I understood it. I used to think as a kid, I don't have these great testimonies. I'm not the kind of Christian that they are because, man, I hear of all the things they used to do, and I was on drugs, or I was an assassin, or I was this, and, and going on down the line, and 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 then Christ changed me, and I was like, I, I'm. I just grew up in a home where my parents knew Christ. And one day I, I realized that I needed him. No, y'all were the same. We just don't think that. Oh, my expression of sin might not have been the same as yours. But my load and burden of sin was the same. It was no less. Oh, how I demonstrated might be different, but my heart was the same. I might have been too chicken to be an assassin. I was. You know, I, I, I was afraid to get a whooping. I, I, I was like, come on, being an assassin. I, I, I was too scared. But does it mean that that couldn't happen in me? Oh, boy, given the right situation, it's sure good. And you too. Issue is, when I think I'm not that bad, I don't think I need this great of a savior. Okay. I'm not that bad. Why well, I need Jesus? Hmm. You obviously haven't seen yourself. That's like the person who walks into the hospital, a spear in one side, two gunshot wounds in the other, an axe in the back of the head, talking about, I'm okay, how are y'all? Bro, you haven't seen yourself. Issue becomes for you and I. I will veer off of Christ when I don't see him as he is. Do you realize who he is? So here's some questions for you today and we're gone. Who is Jesus to you? Is he who the scriptures say he is to you? Here's one just for you to think about on your own. Are you embracing who he truly is? Or have you created an image of him that really doesn't exist? Is your Jesus a figment of your imagination? Is your Jesus a wish list of who you would like him to be? Or is your Jesus who the scriptures say he is? And then my biggest question is, are you living out of who he really is? Remember, this series is supreme. Living out of the supremacy of Christ. That's the series in Colossians. Life, you know, here's what life looks like when Christ is supreme in your life. You better start off with who he is. Because if you don't, You've just started off wrong. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. You alone. Oh, Lord, you alone are God. Christ is everything. He is before all things. He has created all things. He has reconciled all things. And he is after all things. Father, he is everything. And I pray for us that if Jesus is not everything, 
that he would become that today in us. Father, we need you. Lord, this could have gone on even more. There's so much about who you are. But today, I pray that we grasp that you are perfect in all your being. You are great and you are God. That the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in and be represented by you, Christ. And that you have reconciled all things to yourself through yourself, and for yourself. God, I pray that we would see you as you have revealed yourself to be. And by doing that, we would live in the way that you have dictated for us to live. We ask you this in Christ's name, amen. This morning, that might have been a lot for some of you, but this morning, if you have never embraced Christ in the way that we talked about this morning, if he is not for you, the one who has, not only the one who has created you, whether you believe it or not, he did, but the one that has come to save, rescue, and to deliver you into his own kingdom, if he has not done that for you, that can change today. Don't waste this opportunity. Don't waste this chance. If you've not done that and you would like to, can you see me or one of our leaders? Brothers, raise your hand. Um, elders, elders and deacons, wives, can you raise your hand too, please? Thank you. So that folks can see you. See somebody here this morning. Pull us to the side so that you are able to be led to Christ well. Maybe the person that you came with, talk to them. If you don't want to talk to one of us. And if you're watching, call us, please, at the information number that you'll be given at the end and talk to somebody. This is of critical importance. It's not going away. It's not going to change. Jesus is everything, and he calls you to himself. And so this morning, go with the confidence and the excitement that the Christ you serve is it, is above all, rules all, and has you in his grip. Amen. God bless you. You've been listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast, and we trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at solidword.org. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you next week.